Monday, August 29th, and this is Season 7, Episode 5 of the Four Star Spurs Podcast. I'm your host, Anthony. With me this week is Joe. Hello there. Scott. Hello. And returning to the podcast, it's Tall Rick. Hello, everybody. Good to be back. Well, uh, I think we're going to go right into it today. Um, We've got a lot to talk about. Um, A couple of draws. Uh, We've got a transfer window getting ready to snapshot. And and we're going to preview three games uh, because this will be our last episode before uh, the Wednesday of the Champions League match against Marseille. Uh, So lots to talk about here. We'll go right into it. Uh, so Forrest this weekend, I think we came in with a bit of optimism. They were playing pretty well for a newly promoted team, but uh, but we felt pretty confident that our squad could uh, could handle them. Um, I think we were predicting this might be one of the breakouts that we were expecting, and it didn't quite go that way in the the first half. It was uh, it seemed like a sluggish start. Um, it seemed like we were set up to play on the counter. There was no press. Um, we were ineffective with uh, passing out of the midfield. Um, and, uh, except for when we had a, a counter that, um, that often fizzled, we, we didn't, couldn't seem to go with, very far with it. So how are you guys feeling about this match as you were watching it? Uh, Rick? Yeah, yeah, no, I, I agree that when we were watching it at the bar yesterday, there was a lot of frustration involved. It seemed like we weren't doing a good job playing the ball out from the back, you know, the early goal aside, which, you know, kind of came on a classic counter for us, but it just, it felt like really, really disjointed. And when I went back and looked at the match again this, you know, today, just to prepare for this, I will say it looked better. You know, like our, our glaring mistakes tend to be more glaring when you're kind of bricking it over a one goal lead, you know. And, but when you go back and kind of look at it objectively, when you know the result, um, we, we certainly are, are struggling in that area. I think not having Romero and not having a really, really proper ball carrying midfielder are going to continue to be problems for us. But, but overall, we just went up against a pretty good a uh, newly promoted side that is well organized, well drilled, knows what they're doing, knows you know what their their personality is, and um, and played us tough. They they knew how to play us, and they did a really good job. But we still basically should have won, to, you know, by two or three. You know, take away the the Kane penalty miss, and and, and it's a pretty easy scoreline. But uh, they definitely made us work for it. Um, but but we we need improvement. But it, it wasn't quite as dire as I think a lot of us thought upon first viewing. So. Yeah, that certainly wasn't as bad as I think we were thinking, uh, but but not quite the start that we wanted. Um, but I, I want to ask this question to everybody. Do, do you guys think that this is uh, um, a, a byproduct of uh, Conte being a winning coach that knows that he doesn't just have to win this game, he has to win the next three. They're all going to be coming up in a very short period of time um, and, and maybe taking a little bit put off the gas on this one uh joe yeah maybe because uh, i also agree we didn't we didn't really play that very well in this game um however if you look at this game and also the wolves game when i also didn't we were particularly great um we're not really conceding many clear-cut chances like they only had the header from I think the guy's name is Yates, who he, he had a header and it just went wide. Um, other than that, there was maybe another chance that I think their wing back had a shot. But really, we didn't over those last two games, we've not played well against Wolves or Forest, but we haven't conceded many like glaring chances. And I think that's the system, really. And that's like Conte is so well organized with the team, even if we're not playing amazing football and we're not, you know, it's not great 
uh, on the eye. We're not, you know, maybe fully fully at it, but we're not we're not giving the opposition that much of a sniff of our goal either. So I think a lot of it's just from the system. It's just very functional at the moment. We're we're very well drilled. We don't concede many chances, and even if we're not at our best, you know, with our front three, we are going to get chances and create chances, and that's what's won us the 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 last two games. Yeah, I do think it's becoming a trend, the, the slow first half starts, right? Like, it, it's just, it's been every match so far. We It feels like we're kind of spending the first half sort of like learning the game and then, you know, making, you know, going in for Conte's talk and making some adjustments. And we tend to play a lot better in the second half. So I don't know if that's um, intentional or not. You know, I, I know there's a certain amount of reading the game that, that Conte will want to do and then, you know, figure out the best method of attack or, or substitutions a little bit later. Um, but, but we do seem to be very, very slow starters so far. And uh, I think that's why we're probably, you know, our expectations are high this year. We, we, I believe, and I think a lot of people believe we can make a run at the title this year and uh, we're not quite playing at that level yet. We're, we're grinding out tough results that you need to do in order to sustain a run. Um, but we're certainly not, performing at a level that looks like a title winning team quite yet so scott i don't think we've even gotten out of second gear in the last couple games um uh you know to to, it it just seems like everything is is much slower than it should be and that they're not you know it's it's not as quick as as we've seen flashes of um uh, I, I think that's the more concerning part is that it, it doesn't. You know, these are the these are the weaker teams. These are the teams that we should be beating. You know, the the I I didn't really have any um, notion that we were going to lose, but it wasn't. It certainly wasn't the the Tottenham that I thought was going to show up. And you know, having having that sort of uh, uh, translate from week to week to week is is getting to getting a little worrying that it, you know there may be something you know just missing or or the the you know the first 11 isn't quite right yet rick yeah yeah I, I feel like the first maybe quarter of a season is always sort of figuring out what you are right and, and what you've got and i think we're doing that the the early theory that i have is that as i mentioned we we, we are heavy, heavily reliant on passing to move the ball up the field and stringing together a lot of passes. And it's kind of easy to suss that out and get into our lanes and, and break us up. And we've seen Chelsea do it. We saw Forrest do it. So I, I do feel like the missing ingredient are those folks that can ball carry to the next level. And I think Romero is a prime example of being able to do that from the back and get it into the middle of the field. And we know him. He's aggressive, right? Like he'll keep going unless uh, somebody makes him pass. And then just lacking overall a ball-carrying midfielder. And maybe Basuma is that guy. And I think as I was watching the Forest match, uh, P, you know, Pierre played quite well. I, you know, I, I was kind of ready to, when I rewatched that match, I was kind of ready to already list him as my LVP. And for the couple of kind of head-scratching mistakes he made, he got forward a lot. He was in the middle of a lot of our best attacking action. So, so he did better, but he's still not that ball carrier that can help break a line, right? Like he'll, he'll jump up in an attack when he's needed or he'll slide back and defend when he's needed, but he's not that guy. And I think Basuma is a little bit more suited to be that guy. So I'd be very curious since we're going to see some rotation now that we're coming up on our first like double match week here. Um, I'd be very curious to see if we get Romero back and if we get Basuma in one of those midfielder roles, uh, you know, alongside either Benton Kerr or PEH, 
um, to see if that might alleviate some of what we've been seeing. So what, what do you think, Joe? Yeah, Rick, I, I, many of your observations then were uh, things I'd also thought myself watching the game. Like, I didn't think there was a midfield at all from us in this game. And similarly to Wolves, I mean, Wolves' centre mid is very good, to be fair. Neves and Matinho, kind of one of the better central pairings. So I kind of forgave that game. But I, I was like you, Rick. I didn't think we had any midfield in this game. It was like a basketball game. It was like they'd attack, we'd attack. It was quite good for a neutral, I guess, because it was just, you know, it was end-to-end. But what I would have liked to see is us having scored a goal after five minutes is to have more control of the game. I didn't think we had any control. That doesn't mean we weren't dangerous, but we were allowing them to have way too many attacks. Even though they weren't creating, you know, glaring chances, they certainly had far more possession uh, than we'd like them to. Um, and I, just like you, Rick, I, I was complaining all game about the midfield, but individually, I don't think... Either Hoybier or Ben Tanker played badly, actually. I, I, I also went back and kind of rewatched some of the highlights, and Hoybier made some great blocks. Ben Tanker did some good things as well. Yep. So I think it's, it's, it's more a, um, it's almost more a system byproduct, right? It's like we set up with the wing backs and the free attackers, and we almost sacrifice having midfield dominance, and that's just like something that Conte's prepared to have, I guess. And that's, uh, I, I think. Perhaps more than the personnel, it's a system thing. Um, but I, I, I agree with you. I thought midfield was not dominant yeah. in this game. Yeah, just to respond to that real quick, it, it's obvious it, it is the way Conte wants to play, it, for sure. Like, that's his preferred way to to break it out from the back. But I, I think it's a little bit of a mix of both, Joe, because I think you have skill sets within the system, right? And I think Basuma's skill set's a little bit different than, than the one of the guys that we've been playing so far. I think he has that in his bag, whereas these other two guys don't so much, you know, especially not uh, Pierre. Um, Benton Kerr, a little bit, you know, better of a ball playing and, and ball carrying midfielder, but he doesn't try it very often. Um, and maybe there's a reason for that that we don't want to poke into. So, um, yeah, I'll be real, I, I, again, as we come up on this, you know, Nobody has to have any discussions about rotations or playing time anymore. I know this first month we're like, oh, he's just going with the same lineup. I assure you now that we are into the the thick part of it, everybody's going to get game time here. And it'll be a chance to sort of see which combinations of players maybe uh, click a little bit better together. So this is the time to start figuring that out. Scott? I think uh, I think Bentoncourt uh, has a uh, uh, concussion. Uh, I, I read yeah. I read that. That he, he will right. probably be out for West Ham. Yeah, right. that he might even miss he might even miss the Fulham game they say as well. So that's the perfect chance really to bring in um, Basuma, like yeah. you say, Rick. Yeah. And I believe Skip's uh, back in training too. So maybe on the tail end yeah. of all this, maybe he's in the mix there. And that, I think he's a little more capable of that too. I think he's still a little bit you know more cons- on the conservative side, uh, but I do think that that's a skill he has that maybe we could look for him to develop. So we'll see. Well, sure. If he can stay healthy. Yeah. Well, certainly Conte doesn't like to play. He likes that two-man midfield, and he really likes them to just be more of like a shield. But um, are you guys concerned that, like, well, Bentecourt might be out for a little bit? Um, like, Skip is just coming back from injury. Like, uh, are we going to have to go to Sar at some point um, w- with this congestion? And how concerned would we be about that for a guy who's never played a Premier League minute? Um, is that is this con- uh, concerning with the, uh, the problems we've already had with the midfield, uh, Joe? I, well, I think you've got 
you've got Hoybier, who we know can play every game. I mean, we, we'd like to see him rotated more, but Conte really trusts him and Mourinho really trusted him as well. So I think Hoybier is going to be good to hold up. And then, like uh, like Scott and Rick were just saying, then you've got uh, Bissouma to come in and skip. So I'd say, bear in mind we only play two-man midfield. We're like three inches away from Saar coming in, really. So I'd, I'd be surprised. Although we apparently have made him unavailable for loan based on Ben Tanker's uh, concussion status, which means, you know, like perhaps it's possible... I was going to say in the League Cup, but that game's not till November. Let's say uh, there could be a game when we're like 3 0 up at half time or something when we give him uh, a run out, perhaps. But I don't see him coming in uh, anytime soon, to be honest. Yeah, it's just, it's, it's a little concerning to me. I mean, we were happy with the depth in the midfield that we had. And certainly, Conte cares more, much more about those wings than he does about the center. He just wants very specific skill sets in those roles. Um, and it's not not necessarily your creative attacking player that um, that a lot of us would probably like to see, um, as much as he just likes yeah your ball carrying your 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 shielding uh, the the defense so those wing backs can get as far forward as possible. Um, I think when you look at the stats of a Hoybier, um for this match and the last match against Wolves, like a very good and i think it's the eye it hasn't looked that good to to watch until you uh, really look closely um but when you look at the the statistics for like things like tackles for, for things like uh key passes all, all sorts of key stats he he's really performing quite well um but i, there I just several times on there were just several times that i i, I witnessed and I and I specifically could you know pick out uh, Hoybier, uh, you know, with something something that pleasing that and I said, look, he's he's actually doing really well. So I I completely agree with your your uh, your assessment. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Rick. Yeah, he he gives you a little bit of everything. Like I said, he played a couple of really great through balls. He joined a couple of really threatening attacks, but then he also had two or three passes you know, straight back towards our goal that went straight to a forest player too, right? So those are the things that really grab your attention. And I think that's what people focus on. So then when they look back on the game and they, they think about how nervy it was, they're like, well, he, he had those glaring obvious errors. They never remember that they didn't really lead to anything horribly negative. You certainly don't want a guy to put you in those positions, but, but it didn't cost us on Sunday. And, uh, I guess you don't want to ride that tiger too long before it decides to eat your face. But uh, um, he, he did good. I, I, like I said, I, I went into that rewatch thinking he was my just stone cold lock LVP uh, and, and not at all. Not at all. I, I thought there were many folks that, that were worse off. And maybe I just gave you a nice segue there. So, Yeah. Uh, what was your segue? Go for uh, it. From like LVP and MVP? Do, you, do we want to get uh, into that yet or do we have a little uh, time to I, run here? I, so. We have enough time to kind of uh, talk about. We should probably uh, get, give credit to the goals um, and uh, some of the um, some of the other good things that, that did come out of this. Uh, um, and we, we haven't really talked about um, substitutions or anything like that yet. So I, I would like to um, sure. – uh, I, I probably would like to tackle um, – the goals first. So, um, uh, two Harry Kane goals. Um, it, uh, we've been seeing weaker performances from Harry. Was this a good performance in your mind, everybody, or uh, mediocre? But he just got the job done at the right time. 
Yeah, I, I thought uh, th- uh, there were a, a few misplays. Uh, you know, he's gotten so confident in himself that I think he thinks he can pull off just about anything, and he, and he does get skinned a little bit these days. But, but overall, I, I thought he was great. He was dropping back, spraying some beautiful passes out to release us, getting up and joining the attack. He could have had a hat trick, for God's sake, if that, that penalty had gone in. But Dean Henderson's just a damn fine keeper that I may or may not covet for the future. So... Um, so yeah, I, I thought he was great. That first goal was classic us, you know, just straight, quick counter boom in the net. Um, the, the second goal, just an amazing hustle play by Richarlison. Uh, I think in, in our chat, you all have heard me use certain words about Richarlison when he was with Everton and uh-huh. what I think of his antics, but now he's my asshole. So, uh, I don't care. And, <laughs> exactly. Um, I, uh, I, that was an amazingly great hustle play to go retrieve that ball, turn around and uh, just the incredible amount of skill to cross that from the outside of his right foot and put yeah. it right on an open Harry's head he's for the, the easy David. tap. Yeah, it, it was a gorgeous. It's exactly what we were hoping for when we brought him in. He's energized every game he's come into. So, um, so I, I give him, you know, Harry, I thought Harry played great. Um, and, uh, and it was all uh, that, that last goal was all because of, of the hustle and, and skill of Richarlison. So full credit to uh, a player I am learning to appreciate. Shall we, shall we say? So. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, he's, uh, he really has been a, a game changer, which we probably should, uh, uh, yeah, we'll save that part for the second half, but, um, but uh, you're you're about should, to ask if he should start, weren't you? Yeah, but, but we, yeah, we need to tackle that in the are. second half of the episode. <laughs> um, with Rick, Rick Carlson, so the showboating at the end. Let's have a little conversation about that. Does anybody have any problems uh, with w- what he did with the dribbling and everything like that, uh, uh, Scott? Well, as, as as Rick says, he, he's an asshole, but now he's my asshole. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> I, you know, I I was I was sitting there, and uh, as soon as he come on, he comes on. I I just sort of said, "All right, here comes the shithousery," you know, and 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 as soon as he like like within seconds, I feel like he was on the floor rolling around, and it, it truly is. If 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 you know, he may be he may suck, but you know, I'm gonna defend him <laughs> now. <laughs> yeah, but th- there's real talent there be behind it all too. Um, yeah. but he, yeah. he does know how to ha- have somebody catch his, the back of his, uh, leg and, and drop like he's, uh, been shot. Um, uh, Rick. Yeah. And, and I, I think all the other shit housing that that's all like a developed skill of his, right? Like he, he get, he does that intentionally to get you pissed off, to make you do something stupid. Sometimes it's a second yellow. Sometimes it's a stupid foul just outside the box. Uh, that we can now unleash somebody, you know, like Kulu or Perisic on to, you know, so um, th- there, there's a method to that madness. And I, I knew that before and I know it now. Uh, and yeah, and then the difference is, is that, um, you know, when he's on your team, he's a savvy vet. And when he's on another team, he's, he's a douche, right? So uh, um, he's on our team now. So that means he, he's a savvy vet. And uh, that's what I'll call him until he's no longer on our team. I do. I want to see it. You know me. I'm I'm a bit of a purist. I I get upset when people go over too easy, and um, you know, I there, there's just it slows down the game and it just makes it gummy. And I, I I wish there was a lot less of it. And he is a prime offender. Um, but in the long in the grand scheme of things, nothing that happened in yesterday's game was you know beyond the pale. And 
I haven't seen any, I haven't been on social media today, but if there's an uproar over it, you know, calm down. There's, there's, you know, that if you thought that was bad, you ain't seen nothing yet. Well, you know, when it comes to his antics. So Joe. Yeah. I mean, I didn't think his show, so supposed so-called showboating was anything. He did like four keepy uppies and kept the ball. I mean, if you think that's showboating, you, you want to, these people probably didn't see Ronaldinho play. If you think that doing four keepy uppies totally is, uh, that. you know, it was it was such a over exaggerated reaction to it. I mean, yeah, all right, he wasted like three seconds or something. I mean, it, obviously, like Rick says, it's all calculated. He kind of did it to wind up the opposition, but I mean, it wasn't it wasn't disrespectful. He was just you know whatever. Like I. Like Rick, I've always kind of found him quite an irritating player to play against. And even as a neutral, I remember watching Liverpool against Everton last year and he, he spent like most of the game on the floor. It was remarkable. He was on the deck more than he was, you know, on his feet. But that's all part of his kind of, of his game. And uh, yeah, I think uh, I think it'll serve as well. Um, getting opposition players booked, winning free kicks, like Rick was saying, and um, he is a very good player, as he showed with that assist for the for the second goal. That was a great technique to a perfect cross, and um, look forward to seeing a bit more of him in the near future. No, I think this is probably the good place to go to MVP LVP. Uh, now that we've kind of gotten into player talk, so uh, uh, let's start with Joe first for MVP. Yeah, I'm going to kind of echo a lot of Rick's comments regarding Kane. I thought Kane was excellent in this game. Really, really good. Um, Albeit, obviously, missed a penalty, but when you've scored 22 in a row, I think it was, you can can forgive it. You know, it's not like he's got a... He's probably the world's best penalty taker, and it was a very good save from Henderson. He guessed the right way, and, uh, you know, fair enough. Um, But his all-round game was excellent. I mean... The amount of players he got booked on the Forest team, I think he f- single-handedly got their entire defence booked, all of them, like three or four of them, just by picking the ball up deep, great technique to kind of drop his shoulder. Be- there was one where he completely bamboozled the guy. I think it was uh, Worrell, the centre-back, sent him the wrong way and he just pulled his shirt, referee straight away, yellow card. He did that a couple, at least three times. Um, and it makes such a difference because as a central defender, then your decision making is affected so much if you're on a yellow card for 35 minutes, whatever it was. Uh, so, it all, you know, those little things he was doing so well. Um, and the first goal was brilliant. The way that he found space. Great play by Kulisevsky to set him up. And his finish was uh, great. Uh, yeah, I thought Kane was was really on top form. Definitely MVP for me. Yeah, good. Good shout there, uh, Scott. Uh, he kind of took all the the words out of my mouth. Um, I I knew he was going to miss that penalty though. I knew it. It, it, it was there something about the the way the commentator was talking and and uh, you know uh, the way he you know it it it, it just it was like oh, okay he's going to miss this it's time. <laughs> but no, I I don't I can't I can't think of any reason to to bump Kane off that top MVP slot. Uh, he just he, he really was the pretty much the whole package um, uh, yesterday and and he I don't I don't think at least on the first goal uh, I, I don't think anybody you'd be hard pressed to find anybody else to be who would, would even come close to getting in that so um, uh, he's the MVP for me. All right. 
Good so job. Rick. Before before I do my MVP, I just want to give a shout out to Dean Henderson on that penalty save too, because he he's really smart and he's really athletic, and he knows the type of kick taker that that Kane is, right? Like Kane is a keep what I think what they call a keeper independent penalty taker, right? Like he doesn't care what the keeper does. He chooses a side. He just executes that plan, and he usually does with placement and power. It doesn't matter what the keeper does, and we know how successful that is. I, I don't know why everybody doesn't do that, but the keeper knows when you have a guy like that, you can pick your side you know, and start to lean that way and, and jump early, and no matter what you do, that guy's not going to change and, and misdirect you, right? So you, it's all about just choosing, and it's a coin flip, and if you get it right, you get it right. I never understand the keepers that kind of, like, wait too long or half-ass that. You know, I mean, if you're going against Kane, choose a side and dive. You know, as soon as he in his run-up, just do it, uh, and maybe you'll get lucky, but usually you're not. So it was, it was a poor penalty attempt by Harry, too, when you go back and look at it. Um, he usually likes him much more in the side netting, and he caught way too much of the the middle part of the goal. Um, so, but kudos to Henderson again. He he sniffed it out, and he did exactly what you're supposed to do in there. So, um, and since everybody else has said Kane, um, I'll I'll give a mention, uh, an honorable mention to to Kulu. He was also he he didn't really have anything in the stat sheet. He was so dangerous all day. He is our best immediate outlet when we're trying to play out of the midfield. His ability to win the ball, retain the ball, beat somebody with his cleverness, and then deliver a great ball or a great shot. Um, you know, you, you, again, even though it didn't result in anything tangible on Sunday, um, he was just a menace. You know, just knowing that we've got him and, and even with a misfiring son right now, those three guys, man, every single team in the league is going to, you know, trickle down their pants a little bit when they see the, those three running at him at full speed. So, uh, I just want to give a shout out to Kulu, even though the the stats wouldn't wouldn't say it. He was uh, a complete menace all day. Yeah, and to, to your point, Rick, I I think uh, Kulu kind of papers over the cracks of uh, Emerson Royals' uh, deficiencies as well. I mean, don't get me wrong; I think he's pl- played pretty well uh, this season for a guy who I don't think's a natural wing back, but is uh, stepping into the role and growing into it a little bit. Um, but I, I do think Kulishevsky on that side kind of uh, papers over those cracks and, uh, and, and helps keep that, that attack moving, which we know uh, Conte loves to have come through the wing. So. For sure, for sure. Yeah, for, for a guy like Emerson who's not all that skilled on the ball or with the pass, it's, it's so comforting to know I just got to get it in this guy's general direction and he's probably going to make me look good by, by winning balls that, that he shouldn't, right? So. Um, it is. It's a it's a good combination. Uh, and I'm sure at some point we'll talk about um, upgrades. Uh, speaking of Emerson, but uh, we'll we'll save that for another time. So, yeah, uh, well, um, I, I agree with everybody. It's got to be Harry Kane for MVP for this one. I want to give an honorable mention to Davison Sanchez. Um, this is what I think like uh, was it like eight or nine hours now of uh, of. Matches he or minutes he's played nine without, hours, I think. Yeah, nine hours. Yeah, yeah. Without without uh, giving up a goal when he's been in defense, and yes, he he doesn't have uh, what Ramiro has uh, going forward and contributing to the attack and um, effective uh, deep passes and and driving into the box himself when it, when it's called for, all that stuff that Ramiro does um, and just being a beast. Uh, that's certainly not Davison's game, but. He's been fantastic at keeping the other team off the board, and um, 
and that's probably the most important thing in a Conte system, even more so than yeah the wing the wings in the attack. But um, but but don't let them score. So uh, kudos to him. He he deserves credit for this one as well. Um, let's go to LVP next, and we'll go back around to Joe. Um, see, I think this is a tough one because. Um, a bit like Rick mentioned earlier with the midfield, my my instant reaction here would have been Son because I know there's a bit of a narrative that he's not playing well, which he isn't playing well by his top standards. But I did go back and rewatch the game, and and I might be contradicting what people are going to say after me here, so I'll I'll put it out there anyway. <laughs> I thought he was okay. He didn't he didn't play that badly. I didn't think. Um, it's not he's not firing on all cylinders. Any means, don't get me wrong, but he wasn't. He did a few good things. Um, he had a really good in the first half that was kind of a cutting shot, a couple inches over the bar that would have been a really good um, a good goal if he had made. It, some of his plan the break was good as well, um, but he's just kind of lacking that confidence a little bit. I think it affects his decision-making. One incident in the second half where Perisic was like wide open and he tried to get a shot away when he... I, Son, when he's on his game, would be a bit more calm in that situation and would have passed it and it would, probably would have been a goal. Um, but generally, I don't think he played that badly. I didn't think anyone played that badly. I think if you're going to score a lot of players, you'd get like sevens across the board and Kane would be a nine or something and Kula would probably be an eight or whatever. Um, so I don't think anyone was that bad. So, probably is Son, just because no one else was worse. But I think he was as bad as probably the consensus seems to be okay great good good shout there uh scott who do you have uh, i i have son um but literally for for pretty much the same reasons because he you know he is going through his slump but uh, he wasn't it was it was just the worst of of what we saw on the field on you know on sunday um it, it he just it, it wasn't something because I think he's he's being he's he's being uh, you know double teamed and that sort of stuff, which I'm not sure he's really used to doing that. But um, it it I think it he's just having this this slump, and you know it, it just didn't work out for him yesterday. Yeah, yeah, I, I could see that, Rick. Yeah, yeah, and uh, I would just add to what you guys have said is that I think Sun's really doing everything the exact way he always has. He's just not finishing right now, right? He's just, he's scuffing the shot or he's blazing it a little bit over um, the efforts there, the movements there, you know, the, the, the linking up in the attack, it, that's all there. Like all of the elements are there and it's just not coming together. If it was a matter of, of any of those other things around, you know, effort or not try, you know, any of that, I would be concerned, but this is just one of those things that scorers go through sometime. Right. Um, so I, I'm not concerned about him at all, but, but he would have to be probably a co LVP. I also wanted to give a mention to uh, Parasich too. Like he looked very off the pace to me yesterday. Um, he just was not involved. He was very anonymous. He was not beating, you know, he was not getting, he's one of those guys that can kind of be clever and get past that first man and create some space and then whip in a nice cross. But uh, for, A, Forrest was doing a good job preventing that. But B, he just he looked a little off. He seemed like he was a bit slow getting back from time to time. And then I think we noticed uh, he, he must have gotten subbed around, what, 65 minutes. I thought we looked 
way more dynamic going down that side when Sessegnon came on, right? Like we were kind of terrorizing them. And then unfortunately, we just saw the same thing with Sessegnon that we always do. It's that that end product, right? It's waiting and holding the ball a little too long and or not making the right pass. Everything up till then, Sessegnon was way superior to Perisic yesterday for me in, in his, you know, 30-minute cameo. So I wouldn't, I hate calling him LVP because as, as others have said, like nobody was really terrible. Um, but I just, I thought he just did not look like what we are expecting him to look like. And he certainly didn't look as good as he did the previous week. Um, those threatening crosses and set pieces of his can be a huge weapon for us. And how many of those did we see? Two, just because he he was not getting himself into good positions and he, he wasn't able to beat a man um, to create that space for himself, which is what we need him to do. So uh, well, j- just I, in the interest of not being, uh, you know, all the same, I'll, I'll throw his name out there. Well, in, uh, I agree uh, that that there was some. I, I do think he did have some good moments, but uh, uh, but also I I, I think Forrest uh, was intentionally avoiding his half of the the pitch at, at, throughout a lot of the match, and that's because obviously Emerson is the uh, the easier target to, when at least on the defensive end of his game. Um, but yeah, I, I think we could have seen more out of attack if they were getting him the ball more effectively, but. Um, but um, but yeah, I understand your point. Um, I guess if I had to go go by definition and just say least valuable player, um, as unfair as it would be, it might be Jed Spence because he only played a couple minutes and he really didn't create any value. He missed his one chance at goal. But I think that's unfair for a young player on his debut to to call yeah. him MVP. Yeah. So I think he... give it to Sun just because. Uh, um, Son is playing bad right now, and uh, I'm not worried about him. But but yeah, he's you, bad you right can't now. be LVP if you came on in stoppage time. Yeah, that 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 should be a rule for sure. So, yeah. Um, I, but but since you mentioned him, I do want to say that that one run he made at the very end of the game. Did you see? He looked like he had rocket boosters shooting out of his butt. Like that kid yeah. can move, and it kind of made my jaw drop a little bit. I'm like, whoa, what do we have here? Uh, and he was playing as an attacker too, right? Like he was still on and Emerson was there. So that wasn't what, you know, I, I don't think that's going to be his natural role, but uh, that run that he made, he looked like it, he made everybody else look like they were standing still. So there's a lot to see from this kid yet, but uh, just the straight line speed was hugely impressive. So he's, he's very, a very exciting player and I can't yep. wait to watch him uh, start some matches, hopefully later in the season, even uh, if he really shows that he, he can play more regularly. Yeah. Uh, I'm very excited for him, and that would be completely unfair, which is why I fix on. But um, any final thoughts on this Forest game before we uh, go to half? Um, no, okay. I, I'd say just I imagine to... Joe's got one. Sure, sure. Um, yeah, just so I've done a bit of a uh, U-turn on one of the players that I've often talked about on this podcast in unfavorable terms. So I should only uh, be fair and say some nice words here. I I really like. Emerson at the moment, right, when he's going forward, his delivery is terrible. You may as well blindfold someone and ask them to put a cross in. They'd have a better success rate with with the delivery. But defensively, I think he's great. Like, the amount of blocks he made and the amount of, like, just strong challenges, I was really impressed with him defensively. And I think someone else on the podcast, it might have been Sai, made a, a really good point actually that i think what we, we should maybe do with emerson is just say look this guy is not suited to conte's system he's never a wing back in a million years but he's actually, if he played a back four and he was a right back 
he'd be he'd be great. Like so, maybe loan him out. <laughs> Conte doesn't hang around that long, does he? Um, I, maybe does he's got a future, but I I just. He obviously isn't the most productive wing back. You're not going to get him, you know, he's not going to do like Alexander Arnold style, you know, five assists in a game kind of stuff. But he's he, he's a solid defender. And I just wanted to uh, give him a bit of a, you know, give him a bit of acknowledgement for some, some of his play yesterday. No, definitely. I mean, he definitely deserves it. for the I think for the whole season, he's shown that he uh, he can really contribute to this team. And there's a reason why. He's still being played by, and being played over Doherty, who is a natural wing back. And that's, uh, I think he's just got more raw, raw talent. That, and Conte recognizes that. Uh, Rick? Yeah, yeah. I was going to say to uh, Anthony, just to close out the, the Forest game, I, I think I'm going to, when we did our predictions at the beginning of the year, I, I had Bournemouth and Forest going down and possibly Fulham staying up because they've been up a couple times. And I think that experience can help a lot. But after seeing them yesterday, if they continue to play that way, they've got a real shot of staying up. So um, before we kind of sign off from from talking about them, I, I wanted to say they impressed me with how much better they were than I thought they would be. And that's how they've looked all, all season. And they've got a great keeper that can help keep them up, just like Henderson did with Sheffield United during his loan there. So I think they might have some of the ingredients to actually stay up this year. And I, I would not have said that uh, before we played them. So. Yeah, good, good shout there. Um, so that, uh, that that it's about time to go to half. Um, we are going to talk about the the two cup draws that we had this past week. Uh, we are going to uh, discuss uh, incoming and outgoing transfers, and we're going to talk about upcoming fi- fixture cr- congestion. Um, but um, we don't, first we don't have any halftime segment. But Joe, you have a shout out that you want to give out. Yeah, great. Thanks, Anthony. Um, got a couple of things, actually. So I knew I was on the podcast today, so I'm very grateful for the platform. Thank you, Anthony. First, I guess you could kind of consider it somewhat a public service announcement for any of our local listeners. Um, I'll start this off by saying the Atlantic Bar and Grill is absolutely the best place to watch Tottenham games um, in Chicago land. Go there. They're brilliant. I'm Everyone on this podcast probably been going, in fact, the three of you predate myself. I first went there in 2014 and the three of you were more uh, established go- visitors to the Atlantic than myself. But it's a great place. So th- the reason I say that, there is an alternative um, place to watch Spurs games for those who are in the North Shore, like myself, who find it difficult, especially if you've got kids like me. Uh, it's tough to to get your wife to agree to take your two and four-year-old girls to the bar, uh, drive an hour, go to a bar on a Sunday. As much as I'd like to do that, it's it's a tough sell. So there, um, Ravinia Brewing Company in Highland Park um, are showing Spurs games. Not all of them, like the Atlantic do. So they're not going to do the 6.30 a.m. games uh, and probably not the 8 a.m.s either, but 9 a.m. and later the, and, and midweek games, they're going to show the West Ham game, are going to be shown at the Atlantic Bar and Grill in Highland Park. So again, um, sorry, at Ravinia Brewing Company. But again, um, the last thing I'd ever want to do is drive traffic from the Atlantic. Go there if you're able to. If you're not able to, check out Ravinia Brewing. Um, it's definitely second, worth uh, somebody sorry. stopping up there. But I, I definitely want to say like uh, it, it's good to have that um, uh, pubs open in, in the surrounding communities. And Highland Park's it could be like a good 45 minutes to an hour drive. And and we have Crystal Lake, which has a great club too. So 
yeah. definitely think about those if you're you're too far out to come in every time. Yeah, great. Thank you. And and speaking of of Highland Park, um, second thing. Um, so I actually live in Highland Park and not to take this podcast on a somber tone. This is a very upbeat podcast and I'm not going to take it on a different direction at all. But um, myself and some of the Spurs fans in the area happened to be at the uh, parade where the tragic occurrence happened on 4th of July. Um, sadly, an all too commonplace uh, event in the US and uh, I won't go too much into that. But through weird circumstances, I was actually on TV because um, I was at the parade and uh, thankfully I'm safe, my family's safe, no, you know, we're all, we're all good. But I went to retrieve some items that were left there and I had my Spurs shirt on, as I often do. I'm a, I'm a big <laughs> Spurs merchandise, um, not quite as bad as Lucas, who I don't think owns anything that is not branded with uh, the Spurs logo. I think that's his entire... Uh, wardrobe but uh, so I'm not quite that extreme but I did have my Spurs shirt on on this particular occasion and I happened to get interviewed um, on TV and it cut a long story short it got tagged in a post on Twitter and whatever whatever and through circumstances I ended up someone from the club kind of reached out and you know said oh I hope, I'm very sorry you were there and whatever whatever so we had, had a pleasant back and forth and it kind of culminated in the club um, sending some some goodies, some swag for the kids who were there. So I've got two little girls. They were there. Some other kids. Um, I, you know, I told them. I said, look, there's a few Spurs fans in this community. Obviously, this was a, you know, quite an unpleasant experience and a terrible uh, situation. So the club, totally of their own, you know, back, uh, basically, you know, sent sent us some 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 goodies, which I thought was a really nice gesture. Um, they obviously, they didn't need to do that. They, they posted it out from the UK to the US and for the kids, little backpack, hats, goodies, those kind of things. I thought it was really, a really, really nice gesture. And I, I just wanted to kind of use this platform to um, publicly acknowledge that, you know, we can be proud of, you know, I know the club, sometimes we challenge things. Sometimes we don't like the way they do things. I think it's only fair that when they do something as, as nice as this, and they didn't want any publicity or anything. I even said, I'll post about it. And they were like, no, no, it's fine. But I've... I'm using this platform. I'm making the call that I, I should uh, acknowledge that. So I just wanted to do so uh, on the podcast. Oh, definitely. Good shout. And the, the, very, uh, it makes you really feel good about our club that they recognize things like this that come up. They definitely recognize the fans and how important they are to the success of the club. And that uh, when things happen to club members and you see it like when um, a, yeah. a child fan pass, has a disease and what they the, they step up to the plate and take care of those situations and it's it really is uh, it makes you feel good to be uh, part of this club um, well yeah, uh, did, oh go ahead Rick yeah I was, was going to reinforce that 100% Anthony you know you and I as former chairman you know we, we've gotten involved with the team directly um, Joe's situation, the, the you know everything that happened in Highland Park, it's by far the first time something tragic has happened to a member of our community, uh, and I know they are often working behind the scenes to provide support or you know to boost morale in any way they can. So it, it's uh, we've had a, we've had some tragedy in our community, you know, over the last several years, and and they're always there to help support. So well done to them, and and long may it continue. Yeah, good shout. We got to move this conversation along. Uh, so lots left to talk about today, um, and I just want to start with just a very brief conversation. Uh, we 
earlier in the week we had our Carabao Cup draws and we drew and you thought we were, we were going to stop talking about Forrest, uh, Rick, but, um, but we got we drew uh. not, not in Forrest uh, away. Yeah. Um, so away again, yeah. It is going to be a, another away fixture against them for our first round into the Carabao Cup, so the third round, I believe it is. Um, uh, what, what do you guys think? Is uh, is this the, the the last team that you want to face in uh, this cup competition when when we really want to rotate and just uh, play some of our bench players? <laughs> I was just about to say, I bet we're not going to see the same team that we did yesterday. <laughs> Well, not for them either. Probably, if they're especially if they're fighting to stay up, but they don't. They don't seem like a team right now that's going to be fighting to stay up. So, uh, Rick. Yeah. Um, I, oh, I'm I, sorry, I Joe. I meant Joe. Yeah. Well, you, you said my name, so I'll just go ahead and insert myself into the conversation, and then I'll throw it over to Joe. So, um, I, I was just going to say I, I agree with what Scott said in that um, teams that are newly promoted are a different team from the beginning to the middle to the end of the season. So it's going to be interesting to kind of get a temperature read on where they are. If you know, they're okay. I think they're what on five points out of four matches so far. So they're not really in danger, but you know, a few points here and there and and it all looks different. Right. So uh, it'll be curious to see where they are. If they can continue to play the way that they did yesterday, they'll be fine. Um, But we frequently see, Newly promoted teams come up, kind of have a fast month, but maybe don't get as many points as they need and then fall off a cliff. So um, I'm hoping I'm kind of rooting for them. seems like they, they've kind of they're doing everything the way they should. Um, uh, certainly could have used an easier opponent to, to get our effort started, you know, like a lower league opponent of some sort. But uh, but it, it'll be a good challenge. And this is exactly why Conte has been demanding that we strengthen the squad. Right. We we are not going to treat a, a tournament like this with just our youth team anymore. We will have legitimate pros uh, that we will be able to rotate and go for it. So I, I fully expect us to, to win that again. Um, but, yeah, it would have been nice to get a little bit more of a pushover, I'd say. So sorry, Joe. Yeah, sorry. Joe. It was my yeah. fault. I, uh, I was looking at Joe and I said, Rick, <laughs> go ahead, Joe. It's all right. No, no, no problem. Um, I actually think Forrest have got some pretty good players. I don't think they're a, they're a bad team at all. And even looking at their team yesterday, um, I think their problem is that they just they've just bought so many new players. I don't know even how many it is now, but they seem to have bought like twenty something players this summer, and it's kind of disjointed uh, for them. So I think they're going to struggle in terms of like the rotation stuff, just because these these players are all brand new, even the backup players. And you often see with the, like to echo what Scott and uh, Rick kind of already touched on, newly promoted teams are just interested in staying up. They don't care about this. Like Fulham already went out to, um, who was it, like Dagenham or someone? Like they went out to a really low, Crawley, I think it was actually. Crawley beat Fulham. So I, I think Forrest are going to be totally not up for this game. I, 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 And to Rick, the point that Rick just made was kind of what I was going to say initially is our backup team is much better now. But it, I, I mean, I say backup team, obviously going to rotate and whatever, but so it's probably not the right term. But our bench that we had yesterday, much better than the bench we ended last season with. You know, you've got your likes with Charlison, um, even someone like Lucas, who we know is a really reliable player, can come in, do a good job. Bisuma, Skip, you know, these are really, really good players. Whereas last season, we ended our team, uh, ended our season with the bench was just a bunch of kids. Like, I don't even know who most of those subs were against Norwich. They were all like 
18-year-olds. Now we've got a strong bench. It's going to do us uh, good. And I think we can actually do really well in the cup competition. So I, I'm I'm feeling pretty good about this one. Yeah, definitely. Do you have anything to add, Scott? Okay. Uh, I, I, pretty good. <laughs> yeah. Okay. I well, don't, I don't well. seem to be talking very well today, so. <laughs> no, it's okay. Um, let, let's move it along to the Champions League draw. So um, this is one, like, you always uh, look at it and say, like, you know, no, no group's going to be easy, but you, you kind of root for certain certain teams that you you could end up in a group with. Um, and uh, um, I think we did pretty good here. Um, so we ended up in in a group with uh, Fra- Frankfurt was our pot A. We were obviously the pot B. Um, and then we got uh, Sporting and Marseille. Um, now, when we compare that to some of the other groups that uh, that, are, that are out there, like, uh, you know, uh, Liverpool has a relatively easy group, but they're going to have to play Rangers as their their, their uh, bottom seed. Um, Ajax is their top seed, which uh, they probably could handle, and Napoli is not too tough, but... Um, but then you get some of the uh, the, the really tougher groups like uh, PSG, Aventus, Benfica, well, and then Maccabee. But um, what do you guys think of this draw and compared to some of the other groups that we have? And I do have the uh, groups in the notes if you need them. Uh, uh, Rick? Oh, you're still on mute, Rick. Sorry about that. Yep. Um, I, I'm real pleased with the draw. Um, the only thing that scares me is the last time I said that, I think, is the, the last time we got an easy-looking draw and then flubbed it. It seems like we've excelled when we've gotten the tougher draws before. But I, I think when you go into one of these things, your your goals are to, you know, kind of like avoid whatever the group of deaths going to be and avoid maybe the, the real beasts, right? Um, and then uh, uh, travel that's not going to be too too difficult on you. And I, I think we got all those here. You know, we, we got the last year's Europa league winners, which is obviously the pot a team that everybody would want. Um, and uh, sporting Lisbon. I think I, I, I was at a Europa league game against them where they kicked our can about 10 years ago um, in, in London. So I, you can't really underestimate them. So there's a lot of depth in the group, but, but there's absolutely no reason we should be afraid and, and that we shouldn't go through. And uh, the group uh, that, that I'm really interested in is that Liverpool group. I, I agree that Liverpool, if they're at their best, should go through. But there's some savvy teams in there. You know, Ajax is never a pushover. Um, Napoli's the top of Serie A right now and has been getting much better recently. And, uh, you know, just the, the pure... I, I was hoping we would not get a, a Scottish team in our group because of the absolute feud that game would be. So... You know, I, I always worry about like injuries in a game. You know, you might win, but the other guys might might take out a few legs on you. So um, that Liverpool group, I think, is going to be a little bit tighter than than people might realize. That certainly doesn't mean they're not going to go through because they're they're the class of the the group. But keep an eye on that one. I think you're going to get some very interesting results. So, uh, but overall, uh, no no issue with us. We should absolutely go through. And I honestly don't care if we're one or two. You know, it, it's all random at that point. So. Yeah, and and none of these groups are incredibly tough. Like um, yeah. well, I, I don't see Bi- that Bayern, Barcelona, and Inter would be uh, would be a little bit of a tough draw. So that, yeah, yeah. So, so poor Victoria Pilsen, we barely knew ye, you know, and enjoy your <laughs> early exit. So, yeah. 
good shout there. Yeah. Uh, um, other thoughts on this draw? Uh, I'm exceedingly happy with it. I mean, I, I when I was watching it uh, live, I was I was very pleasantly surprised, uh, you know, and 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 entertained, except for. You know, except for the actual draw that itself, with all the pomp and circumstance for <laughs> undeserved <laughs> to some degree, um, uh, I was very, very, very pleased. I and none of the bogey, as he said, and none of the bogey teams came up. None of the, you know, I mean, granted, I think Frankfurt uh, can be a lot more uh, scary than I think we're 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 giving them credit for. Um, you know, you're winning Europa is not a obviously is not an easy thing. We we had several cracks at it and weren't able to muster up. So um, I think I think it's a good draw, but it still needs to be. You know, we we need to have our, our A game on still. Well, and to your point, Scott, we couldn't even muster up for the uh, conference league last year. So um, so there is that. But yeah. Um, um, yeah, I mean, City's group is uh, something to to watch, too, with uh, Sevilla, Dortmund. I mean, that could be a little bit tougher than people think there. Um, but, uh, but uh, uh, Joe? It's funny you mentioned Dortmund, because, I, I, I mean, I agree with what Rick and Scott said. I was I was really happy with the, with the draw as well. Um, the main thing for me is the team that you get from... If you're in pot two, like we were... It's the team you get from pot three that is the the crucial thing, right? Because you're always going to, like, there's no one in pot one that's bad. I, even though, to Rick's point, we did once get CSKA Moscow from pot one, who were the, by far the weakest team in pot one. And we still went out because bloody Leverkusen and Monaco had a Mbappe coming up, didn't he? And they, they, they knocked us out that time when we, um, we thought we had an easy draw. And then when we got Real Madrid and Dortmund, we... We won the group with like two games to spare, so it didn't make any sense. But I was just going to say that you mentioned Dortmund, Anthony. Um, avoiding Dortmund from pot three was the biggest thing for me. There was Dortmund, and I forget who the other team was now. I'm trying to think who it, it might have been a Spanish team. There were two teams from pot three who I like really wanted us to avoid. And as soon as we drew Frankfurt, that meant we couldn't get Dortmund because two German teams can't play one another. So as soon as that draw came out, I thought that's great because... That's not the strongest team in pot A, and it means we can't get Dortmund from the third pot. So, uh, yeah, worked out well, but again, who knows? <laughs> you just don't know. Who not Marseille might randomly turn into like you know will be as overnight or something. Yeah, you, you don't know. <laughs> I, I was gonna say, Joe, that out of everybody in the group, you know, it's funny, you know, but I think they're probably the biggest threat. The the other teams, I think, I, I looked up their their league tables, and they're sitting on four or five points after four games, both. Uh, Frankfurt and um, uh, who's our third place team again? Um, Marseille. Uh, no, they're they're fourth. Oh, they're um, fourth. I'm sorry. Uh, Lisbon. Sporting. Yeah, sorry. Sporting. Yeah, sport, sporting. Oh, sporting, yeah. sporting's got like four or five points after four games. So both sitting near the the bottom of their table. Marseille joint top uh, of Ligue 1, uh, yeah. which is very interesting. So that might be the team we we got to keep an eye on there. Yeah. Well. In, well, to even it, go into that, Rick, they've three bloody Arsenal, ex-Arsenal players as well. So they're going to be really up for that game. They've got um, Saxi Sanchez plays for them now. He got like released, I think, by Inter or he didn't get his contract renewed, whatever. He's he's there. And obviously he's been in a kind of a bit of a nosedive of his career in the last few years. But I'm sure he'll be 
going back to the old Alexis of like 2016 against us. And they've got that um, Kal- Kalasnic. I struggle to pronounce the name. Kalasnic, I think you said. And mm-hmm. Gwenduzi, who uh, was at mm-hmm. Arsenal. They've got three ex-Arsenal players in their team. So they're going to be definitely up for that game, um, you would think. Well, and I do want to talk a little bit about like what it means for the, the fixture list, because I took a look at this. Of course, my biggest disappointment was that like when I'm going to be in, Port- uh, in Portugal for my vacation, um, uh, uh, sporting is going to be playing in London. Uh, so I was hoping it would be the other way around, and I got the, the, the backwards. So I guess I'll be watching in a pub with a bunch of sporting fans. Uh, uh, for there the, are uh, things episode. called trains and, out of, and airplanes. Oh uh, yeah, I don't know if I'm if I'm gonna travel all the way up to London. This really is a Portugal vacation that I'm doing, but uh, but I'll, I'll I'll have fun and I'll I'll watch it. I'll find like one other Spurs fan in a sporting pub or something. <laughs> but it'll be fun. Um, I hear that their fans are pretty uh, welcoming, even to opposing fans. Um, uh, quick point from Rick before we go through yeah, this. Yeah, I, I, I was just going to say, Anthony, that that Sporting Lisbon match in London that I, I took in 10 years ago, their fans traveled extraordinarily well, and the ones that were sitting near us were completely psycho. Like, they, they didn't care how many old boys were going to wait for them outside, and, and they were there for it. And they I think they won 3-1 that day. If I My memory's not as good with these results as, like, Nathan or Joe, but... Uh, they won, and they were they were talking about it. So you're gonna you're gonna meet some very enthusiastic fans, with without yeah. a doubt. Yeah. Okay. Cool. Well, I'm definitely looking forward to that. Um, but let's talk. Look at the fixture list a little bit here too. Um, so with the um, Marseille game, like that's coming uh, right before Manchester City. Uh, so th- this is nine nine uh, nine seven. Then we play City on the weekend, and then we play Sporting Lisbon away. So we got the home Marseille. Uh, coming up just after Labor Day here in the United States. Um, and then uh, Sporting Lisbon after that Man City match. Um, we take on Frank uh, Frankfurt away uh, after Arsenal. Um, uh, so three days after uh, after the North London Derby away. Um, and then um, uh, we play Brighton in between, and we play Frankfurt again on uh, the so with another uh, two days rest from the uh, the away fixture and uh, away to Brighton, we play home to Frankfurt there. Um, then we uh, um, we have to go uh, later in October, and that's when we have the the home fixture uh, after Newcastle, and we have Bournemouth away after. So that's a little bit easier that 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 sporting home fixture. Um, we don't have as tough a competition to, to face around around that fixture. Um, Marseille comes after the Bournemouth fixture, and then we'll, we're going to have Liverpool after. So it, obviously the group it looks good, um, but we are going to have to juggle these tough fixtures uh, through them too. Um, how did you guys feel about the, the, the way the schedule lines up? Um, uh, could have been better? Could have been worse? Um, I. I, I, you know, I, I think the answer is no. I mean, this is just with the way that they're doing the World Cup this year and the way that the fixtures are arranged. The this was always what the schedule was going to be. I think Conte is smart enough to know that. It's why he's he's been harping all season, all summer, on making sure we have depth and quality through the team. It, it's something that you don't just need in general, but this year specifically, 
with the way that the, the fixtures are congested, all because Gianni Infantino needed to bank that billion dollars from Qatar. Um, you know, it's, it's just how it is. So I feel we're as well equipped to handle it as ever. Do I like it? Am I worried? Of course. Um, but the good news is that everybody else that we're playing that we care about is facing the exact same circumstances. So I don't feel it's a disadvantage or an advantage at all. Um, so as long as we have moderately good health, I think we've got the quality and depth of squad to, to handle those rotations and the manager that knows which buttons to push and who to rotate in at the right time. So uh, looking forward, th- this is where we're really going to see Conte show us what he's made of. I, I'm really looking forward to seeing it. And the travel is pretty favorable. As yeah. It? Yeah. That, that is number. I, I'd much rather play a bunch of tough teams because eventually if you want to win the whole thing, you're, you're going to have to beat tough teams. Right. So getting an extra tough one in the, in the group is not a big deal. But when you have to travel to, you know, you know CSKA, I mean, that alone, that not only are you probably going to lose that match because the travel's terrible and the playing conditions are terrible, but you're going to you're going to lose the match after that, too. Um, so avoiding that is key to our Premier League chances, I think. Yeah. Good show. Any other That's thoughts? A very on- valid point. Yeah, I, I definitely agree with that. And um, I think it's going to really show what metal we have. And, and these other teams that that, uh, that we're most worried about in this uh, fixture congestion are teams that will be playing in a competition. Some of them, like Arsenal, will be playing uh, in a competition where they're probably going to have to travel much further. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I've heard I've heard this song that mentions that they play on Thursday because they're what they're they're something shite. Yeah. So uh, but I've only heard it in song. So, yeah. <laughs> well, anyway, let's move the conversation along. So just a quick uh, uh, topic about transfers. First, I want to talk just a little bit about outgoing. So it does seem like uh, we we talked about it last week on the podcast, but it does seem like it's a. Uh, uh, a done deal at this point that Brian Hill will be moving along. Um, and, um, and this week we also had uh, Winks finally move. Um, now, um, it, and it, how's it pronounced? Is it Sampadoria or the, Joe? You Sampadoria. probably know. Yeah, Sampadoria. Uh, so, yeah, he, he's going there. I, th- I thought he probably could have stayed in the league and played in a, for a lower level team. Um, but uh, maybe this will be a good kickstart for him, and he deserves to be playing every 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 match. And I think probably the extra time on the ball in the Italian league might might favor him pretty well. Uh, so good luck. Does he? Swings. Does he though? Does he deserve <laughs> to be playing? It's like this this article of faith that because he played for England a couple times that he's like this talented young player. And I just every time I watch him play, there's just there's no there there. So. Um, I, I agree. I, I think a move like this is what he needs. I think a team like this, you know, in, in a in a league where it's slower, I, I actually thought um, he always seemed to expel uh, uh, the best performances I remember from Harry Winks. Uh, the Real Madrid in the Champions League game is, is probably the one. Right. And I always kind of thought that, like, the speed wasn't the problem so much as the physicality was, was the problem with him because he's so tiny. And, um, you know, he's certainly not a speedy player, but speed didn't seem to bother him. But strength did. Um, so I, I was thinking maybe a, a move to like a Spanish team might might suit his game the best. But it, it's certainly the right next move, type of right next move for him. And uh, I'll be curious to see if he um, – people keep saying get back to playing his best. And I just say, what was that? You know, w- we saw it once or twice. He's the exact definition of like a replacement level player to me. He's out there and he makes passes. 
and he doesn't really hurt you with mistakes, but he doesn't really offer anything either. And I, I just think he's like, you know, dry white toast as a player. Um, so we'll see. Maybe there's more to him and he'll be able to find it in a different league. I don't think it's there after seeing as much of him as I have, but we'll see. But I will say that he grew up Spurs. He, he, he uh, like he, he really uh, I think he really did love the team. It certainly didn't work out for him here, but um, but uh, but I do wish him the, the best for sure, Joe. So with, with Winks, I think his career really suffered when he he got an injury in his first season. If you remember when he first burst in the team, he scored in his debut against West Ham. And he was very energetic and like, I think his game really suffered. He got an injury at Burnley and I think it took some of his pace. It was like, it was quite a bad injury. I forget what it was exactly, but it was, it was his game never, he never really, he he was a worse player after that injury is what I'm trying to say. Um, What I would say with Winks is he did, he came through the system. We didn't pay any money for him. And he was a pretty good squad player. Like we could bring him in in League Cup games and in games against like Fulham when he scored that winning goal at Fulham. And it, you definitely wouldn't want him playing in it as a first 11 player. But I think he was an okay squad player. And I was never as annoyed with Winks as some people because to me, the players that really piss me off are the Andombeles and the Lacelsos of the world who we paid like stupid amounts of money for and who've done nothing i winks had some big moments for us he's had some good like you mentioned there rick against real madrid he played i remember when we beat liverpool 4-1 at wembley and he played in that game and he was he was really good he he's he's had better moments for us than undombele and lacelso and he was free and they cost a fortune the two of them so he's not a player that i've ever really had any ill feeling of because of that um but i do agree look he's not good enough to play for us good luck to him um i don't think he's been sold though as he is it's just a loan isn't it to loan something yeah. yeah i said yeah. so yeah that was my mistake but yeah it was a what was a loan and there is no buy option uh so we are going to have him back to us uh, uh probably next summer and we'll be trying to move him on once again um i do think that there's an element to um to, to those four players that, that they benched. Uh, um, um, so the Winks, the um, uh, Ndombele, Lacelso, and um, uh, Regulon. Um, those four um, w- were forced to loan those guys out because teams are saying, like, you're not even putting them in your squad. They're benched. And I think that's for a good reason. I think Conte needed to do that. He needed to get those elements out of the squad. But this is kind of the consequence uh, that uh, people don't necessarily want to touch them because they're a bad apple at this point. Um, and uh, I d- can you really I- say that Winks is a bad apple, though? Yeah. I, don't, I don't think he is a bad apple, but uh, but I think um, but I think that he's viewed that way. Um, and I think it's a, a little unfair that Rick Winks wasn't allowed to train with the squad, even if he wasn't making the the. Uh, I did too. Roster, like the like, I I think he should have been the one player that was of that group. Like I think it was a little unfair to him. Lacelso and Ndombele, who I think clearly are uh, like are bad in the, the squad. They bring bad elements. It's uh, um, they're just not good locker room guys to have around. I totally understood why you separated them, and I think Regulon was getting there too. Um, uh, 
maybe a little unfair to him, but I think there was some of that with him too. But I think it was a little unfair to Winks to include that. But with those four guys, we're going to have to loan them, and hopefully we can after they prove that they can play with somewhere else, then then maybe we can actually get a fee for them. Not, not probably not the fees that we want, but Rick? Right, right. Yeah, I mean, it's basic supply and demand, right? Like they see we're not using them. Nobody's going to offer you over-the-moon money for somebody that you're not even using, you know, regardless of whether that's because of an attitude problem. Or because you already, you know, right now for Winks, I don't think anybody thinks he was a bad apple. There's just, there's no space for him, right? Like, we have more depth there and quality there than we've ever had. We've got four players that could legitimately start for a top half Premier League team rotating through two positions. So uh, even with all the fixtures we expect to play this year, there's just no room for him. And I think one of the reasons we might not have wanted him in training is he's going to take reps away from other guys that, that need it. Uh, although maybe with Skip, you know, being so frequently injured, he would have been a nice insurance policy. That's not good for his career. It's not good for him. And if Skip does turn out to be healthy, then it's not good for us either. Um, so, you know, might as well get his wages off the books. Hopefully it goes well. He uh, that he does well for them and they want to keep him. And uh, just because there's not a buy option doesn't mean that, that they wouldn't make an offer at some point. So. Yeah, no, good chat there. And yeah. um, I, I do think like I don't have a problem with the fact that we've done it this way. Um, he would be the one guy that I would have considered leaving in the squad, but like separate those guys out and then say like anybody else that you take, you're going to have to replace. And that's kind of going to be the transition to the next part of this conversation. So Conte has, has indicated that anybody that's on the, uh, his, uh, squad right now, um, other than those four guys that what you said, move on. Um, if you, if you loan them, you sell them, you need to replace them in the squad for me. And, and so that's uh, Brian Hill right now. Um, so with him uh, in the likely move, um, we, we need to buy a player uh, to keep Conte happy. Um, we, we have a short period of time until this window snaps shut. Uh, lots of names are being thrown out there. Um, you know, to, today alone, like you, you see the, you saw Carrasco come up which was an interesting one, but that seemed to get shot down later in the day. The name Traore comes back up. Uh, there seems to be uh, no. ongoing interest with him. Um, Daniel James, uh, even Zaha came back up, like another one of those uh, repeat uh, rumor guys that like if, you know, if we pay the $30 million for with one year left on his contract, we can have him. Um, and Zayek, and uh, I'm not going to try and pronounce the... Uh, um, the, the uh, Ukrainian uh, player uh, that we've been interested in, um, or, or I don't know, maybe Joe, you could probably do a better job with it than me. But uh, those those are the names that have been kind of floating around for a while there. A lot of them are wingers. Um, I think we probably need wingbacks, like a wingback on the right side more than we need wingers at this point. But uh, Conte doesn't seem to like to get his creativity from um, – from the center of the, the the pitch, he likes it from the wings. Um, so maybe he just wants more players that have a different look. Um, a guy like I try that might be why a guy like Traore keeps interesting him because he is a guy that uh, can do something different than everybody else that we have for the most part, which is mostly just like uh, uh, dr- drive through three players like a tank and uh, um, and, pl- and plow through, and the then pitch. lose the ball in the final third. Well, because that's what he does. Regardless, like I mean, yeah, if, if you have three really talented players on the end of that to, to collect the ball in the, the final third, 
maybe just getting it there. Like when you look at a game like we played against Forest, can you imagine having a guy uh, late in a game that just comes on and uh, and plows through three guys and gets drives it right into the box and then uh, Harry Kane can try and do something with the ball at that point? And there is no. But if he never gets the ball into the position, it doesn't matter. Well, if Conte, wants him, I, I understand. Uh, I'm just saying, I understand why he. Okay, would okay. Mark I, I, Conte, Conte yeah. knows a lot more about football than I do. That yeah, and, and and if he if he wants him, then okay, I'll I'll accept his oily butt. But yeah. uh, <laughs> at, at this point, I would I would like to not see him on my. Team. Yeah, yeah. It, it's. Oh. Go ahead, Rick. Go ahead. Yeah, so it's certainly an interesting area of focus because that's not necessarily an area I would think of as a, a huge need, right? Because we've got we've got uh, Kulu, we've got Sonny, um, um, Lucas has always done a good job over there. Richarlison can play kind of out. I mean, we don't really use like a, a winger per se, right? So I guess that's why it's a bit of a maybe we want somebody that could provide that kind of an option for us. But obviously, as I've probably mentioned twice already and I'll probably mention two more times. I don't think we need like an attacking midfielder so so much as just more a creative or ball playing midfielder that can that can play in the center. But for depth purposes, I, I can see maybe wanting one more name for the team sheet. Like if you look at the name with Lucas Hurt yesterday, uh, I was just looking at our, our substitute bench and there there's nary a wing on there, right? Like the, there just was nowhere to go. Um, with Lucas being out. And it was interesting since uh, he wanted to bring Spence on for like a little hello to his old team. And he got a very nice uh, applause. But I mentioned he he was not playing as a right back or, or a, a wing back necessarily. You know, he was coming on and playing as more of an attacking player. I can't I, He may have even uh, taken up like Kulishevsky's position on the right because he was getting forward. So I don't know if that was yeah. just the only place to get him on so he could take his little curtain call with his former fans. Uh, or if it was an actual experiment where, we, hey, well, let's see what this kid with the rocket boots on can can do over there. Um, but uh, it would certainly seem to indicate that we need somebody to play there. But I don't know if it's somebody that you want to break the bank over, right? Because we're really talking about a depth player at this point. So we'll yeah, see. I think Again, that's the appeal of a guy like Treori, who doesn't have that many years left, that we probably could get for a cheaper price this year. That's why they're having interest. I mean, you'd rather have a guy like Azaha. But like, are you going to pay yeah, 30, 30 yeah, grand for Zaha? Yeah. Um, well, well Treori's wages are affordable, but his oil budget is just through the roof. So you got to take that into account. Is it baby baby oil or is it coconut oil? Do you oh, it doesn't he, matter. You smell, do you think you think as he's running by the fans, you get this whiff of coconut oil? <laughs> no, I, I know what the oil's about. I, like he. he um, he has a problem with shoulder dislocation. Yeah, he's got shoulder some, injuries. Yeah. So if, some, if somebody grabs him, th yeah. th they'll pull his arm right out of socket. Uh, so he, yeah. he oils up so people can't get a grip on him and uh, and uh, when they pull him down so he doesn't dislocate. But, uh, but yeah, it looks a little funny. Um, I think, Joe, you were next. Well, I mean, I'm, I agree with Scott's uh, analysis of Traore. I don't think he's uh, a player I'd really see adding much in terms of end product but the common denominator between him and um dan james is that just they're both really fast and they're both not that good either but they're it's a it's like rick was saying with spence right it's like almost hey if take kulu off for the last 10 minutes whatever and just have like a sprinter just like dash like just run run them that's the only logic i can really see with going for Treore or um dan james because i don't think either of them are 
very good to be to be quite frank and i kind of more inclined like rick said if we are going to have a another option as a plan b almost to have a more creative like ericsson type player like a more of a sort of a scheming player who finds little gaps versus someone who just runs really really fast um and then doesn't do much with the ball and that the, the malinovsky link the guy that you were alluding to anthony is an interesting one because he's really fun i actually want us to sign him just because every year like a few times a year he scores ridiculous goals like if you google him just google his goals you you'd want us to sign him straight away mm-hmm. it's ridiculous the amount he he maybe does it four or five times a year just hammers it from like 40 yards out boom like he he's got an unbelievable left foot so i think the other option is like if we don't have a fast guy let's just get someone who can just hammer the ball really hard from from you know way out. It's a, you know it seems like we're trying to find a plan B, but it does seem a bit haphazard to be honest. Um, just a bit disjointed almost. Like what are we doing? Are we we don't seem to have a particular type of player in mind. It's we're just kind of throwing you know names out there at this point. It's kind of a it's it's a little bit um, strange to be honest. To be fair, we don't know how interested. Paratici really is in these guys. This is what the media is saying that we're oh we've made an offer here. We've who knows how much of it's true. I mean, um, we think of the Basuma deal that kind of came out of nowhere. Like uh, we had been connected in the past with him, but like that wasn't like one of the guys that we were being rumored about at the time that we we signed him, and and you know he and he came in at a really uh, affordable price uh, for obvious reasons, but um, but. It, it probably is more likely to be somebody that we don't expect and not necessarily one of these names. But um, but uh, I do think that Conte is not so much about like that creative midfield player that we're talking about. I think that's what we like to see as fans. But I think his style of play, he'd rather have a ton of extra wingers to just especially with these five subs, just keep throwing new wingers out there constantly and and having people run at, uh, at the other team's. Once they're worn out, because uh, um, like if you just have guys that are good at one thing, that's all he needs them to do. And uh, and I think that's more his style than uh, than what we're talking about with like a bit of creativity. And, and that's why these names keep coming up. Uh, Rick? Yeah. Yeah, I think uh, whenever I hear again, I, I take every rumor with a grain, grain of salt, especially with this director of football who seems like he's in on everybody. Right. Uh, and there's there's a rumor for just about every player or every nation in the world there. But to me, really, really highly successful football teams can answer a lot of different questions and ask a lot of different questions. And that that's sort of how I'm starting to look at this is like. Does another winger really ask or answer anything new? The answer to me is no. Um, but, you know, if you want depth, again, if you're really worried about Lucas being out for an extended period of time, I get it. Absolutely get it. Um, but if but if it's nothing major, I, I don't know. I, I don't see what new piece of the jigsaw puzzle that provides to us. There are other missing pieces that are far more pressing. So uh, as far as transfer rumors go, I, I wouldn't get. I would especially not get invested in in ring, uh, winger rumors right now. So, yeah, but that's just just my opinion. Yeah, it's just it seems to be like what we're constantly connected to, and uh, you know, it's, it's what they keep saying that that's what Conte is looking for, like all the you know gold, like uh, all the the big names that that, that cover are all saying like yeah, we're we're shopping for wingers, which yeah, yeah. it doesn't make much sense to me yeah. either. But um, does anybody really? 
Does anybody really expect a, a whole bunch of people? I mean, I don't. I'm not expecting pretty much anybody to come back, come in after after the whole summer. No. Yeah, I mean, it is Daniel Levy, so you always have to expect that uh, that last minute budget buy, right? If something presents itself, but uh, but you know, yeah, for the most part, I, I think we're pretty well well settled for now, and we've got depth where we need it. And again, just one more creative midfielder would be great. But uh, yeah, but we've all said that ad nauseum already. So yeah, uh, well, um, so as I said earlier, um, we're not going to. Um, uh, do our normal preview of each match that's coming up th- this week. Uh, our next episode is going to be the Wednesday, September 7th. Uh, we're, we're going to record right after the Marseille match. Uh, so we have three matches that we're going to discuss as a group here. Um, so this fi- this is our first uh, point of uh, fixture congestion this, uh, this year. Um, now, uh, we, if we go back to, to last year, and obviously we didn't have the depth that we have now because of a pretty active summer window, um, but, uh, but last year, um, whenever Conte had to play multiple games in a week, um, that, that's where we seemed to struggle the most. We would uh, lose one or more of the, those games, and we wouldn't look, uh, look nearly as good. Um, with our depth, do you guys think that that is uh, enough coming into these three matches? So we're talking West Ham away um, uh, this Wednesday. Um, uh, then uh, we're talking uh, Fulham at home on the weekend, so two London derbies in a row. Um, and then we're talking Marseille uh, in the Champions League on uh, the following Wednesday, uh, September 7th. What do you guys think about that, yeah. Uh, Rick? Yeah, I mean, I I've said it before. I I think we've got the depth and the talent to compete against all the you know the the only teams we go up against where I wouldn't give us an advantage at any given point now are Man City and Liverpool, just flat out. So um, I was very happy. You, you might want to extra record this part because I probably never said it before and I'll I'll never say it again. I was very happy West Ham won this weekend because. The last thing I wanted coming into this match was a pointless, desperate, scrappy West Ham team that was just ready to knife us, right? Um, they got their three points. They got their goal. They're still, you know, this is still the Super Bowl for them. This is still what they get up for. But, man, it would have been just like a whole nother level uh, if they hadn't done that. So I actually feel better about our chances of, of grabbing the three points uh, on Wednesday because of that. Um, and, and Fulham... Uh, they're, they're a solid outfit. They, they've been up and down. They know what they're doing. They've got some definite Premier League quality players, uh, a nice midfielder that they brought in, uh, Andreas Pereira, I think from Liverpool or United, wasn't it? Um, and uh, Mitrovic has finally kind of found his footing in the Premier League. So um, they're tough, but, but I don't expect any or, or much of any resistance at home with them. So uh, I expect a, a KG1 against West Ham, but we should get the points. And then uh, Fulham, I, I would expect to be, you know, I'd never like to get too overconfident, but that, that shouldn't be a problem. Well, into, into your point, like uh, even Marseille, that Marseille match coming up, they have Alexis on their team right now. Like uh, he, he already hates Spurs. Um, uh, that, that could certainly pour over into that match too. So so all three of these could be a um, a little bit tricky. Tricky, um, Joe. 
Yeah, I think it's good that we're not traveling outside of London for these games. We got obviously got West Ham and then we're we're home for the next game because I think Rick made the point earlier. A lot of it's just logistically, you know, being on a plane, traveling all the way up to Newcastle or something. You know, that 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 has an effect on preparation and everything. So I think we're, you know, it's good that we're because forgive me, are we home to Marseille or we're actually tra- we're home, right? Is that right? On the correct. So that's yeah, great. Home. So we're not. Yeah, great. So we don't leave London for this whole week. So that's a, a advantage. Um, yeah, I mean it's a huge test. It's three games in less than a week, right? Because we played on the Sunday and we're playing Fulham on the. Sorry, let me get. Yeah, it's three games in like a week. So it's it's uh it's really hectic, and it's going to be a challenge. Um. For Conte, in terms of he has his preferred team, can Perisic, for example, at the age of 33, I think he's 30, he turns 34 soon, doesn't he? Or is he 34? His age, can he play two games in a row in like three days? I don't know if he can. Maybe he can. Is it a risk from a fatigue injury point of view? Yeah, frankly. And that's, you know, that's the challenge here. It's, uh, you know, we have good coaches, good staff. I, I, I'm sure they know how best to manage these players but it's going to be interesting to see because I don't think we can just keep playing this 11 same 11 same 11 I think we really are going to have to start uh seeing some some key rotations in the in this this week yeah just to jump in there Joe I, I almost guarantee you Sessegnon will start against West Ham for sure I think yeah, because Perisic yeah. came out and said you know Managers like to do that where they sort of give them 25 mm. or 30 minutes to get a little game time in them before they give them the start before the next one. So I think we'll see a decent amount of rotation with Basuma, Sessegnon, Richarlison probably coming in for, for somebody. Um, so, uh, yeah, I, I think we'll see a pretty rotated team midweek and then maybe back to what we saw over the weekend um, when Fulham rolls back around. Yeah, yeah what do you got, Scotty? Go ahead, Scott. So at this point, at this point, do you bench Sun? Do you, do you sit him down for a week, or or is he is he untouchable? Yeah, uh-huh. I like I said, he he's playing well and he's just not finishing, and I'm inclined to let those guys work their way through those kind of things. But sometimes a day off helps too. Um, Kulu could be getting a little. It's probably more based on tiredness and fatigue, Scott, than anything in in my mind, but. You know, who knows how Conte thinks of these things. That, that might be the tiebreaker, was just determining who could use a rest a little bit more. Joe? Yeah, I think, so for these games, and it's a good question, for these games, you're going to rotate anyway. So it's not like, oh, Son, Richarlison starts over Son, Son's been dropped. Like, that's, you know, it's it's not going to be that. But if we had a cup final, or we were playing Arsenal next week, then it would be the question, right? Would you would in your best eleven now? Would you take Son out? I'm with Rick, hundred percent. I I wouldn't take Son out. He's always been a patchy player who goes through these. He plays great for five games, then he has five games where he's not so great. But he's such a great player when he's on it. I'd always give him the benefit of the doubt. So I have to jump in here. Um... We um, and I apologize in advance to uh, Shubes and Mike, who both gave us terrific questions, but we've been going so long that we didn't have a chance to get to those. <laughs> but I do want to answer uh, our last question, which comes from the, the tweeter we call Big Bird at AP23871. Um, he asks us, uh, What's all this talk of Richarlison uh, staying instead of uh, starting instead of Sun? Sun is going to ignite and probably fight for another golden boot. Um, benching him is only going to delay that. Um, 
and he uh, says, uh, we need Super Sun back as soon as possible. Am I right? So he's saying, like, play, keep playing Sun until he, he turns back on. Don't bench him. Uh, do you guys think that that's the way to do that with this fixture congestion? I want to I, I want to say that the same thing. Uh, I mean, I, I think Sun should should start, but I, I think he's going to be on a well, I what I would do if I were the you know manager and obviously, you know, know a lot more than I do. I, I would probably start Sun and then maybe think about replacing him at halftime if he hasn't really started, you know, if he hasn't gotten back into the game. Um, because I think ultimately Richarlson can do a lot of damage to this West Ham team because they're going to be so amped up, because they're going to be so like, you know, out out for blood, uh, you know, their cup their their cup final uh, that he could do a lot of damage to that, you know, in is with with red cards and penalties and stuff um, because I think the uh, West Ham always seems to hack our shins together, you know, hack our shins off. Um, while while playing, so Rick, yeah, no, yeah, and uh, I just I wanted to say again, it's not benching. I think we're using this term benching, um, and it, and not you. I like in the in the the question that came in, like formulated, we can't bench Sun. We have four players for three positions, and they're all world class. We're going to be playing near sixty games this season, if if all goes as we hope that it will. There are plenty of games for everybody. It will be to all of their benefit if we do not run them into the ground, you know, twice a week for 20 straight weeks and then send them all, you know, or for five straight weeks and then send them all off to a World Cup to run them into the ground even further and then put them right back to work, you know, a week and a half after they get back from that. So we are going to rotate this year. And again, it's just going to be really about matchups. And Scotty, you made a great point, right? Richarlison is perfect for a derby against West Ham. They are going to want to just get at us, and he is the perfect guy to just get somebody's blood up, and then boom, red card, and we're up a man. So uh, I, uh, starting him just makes way too much sense to me. Who who comes out, whether it's Kulishevsky or Sun, it doesn't matter. It's the guy that needs the most rest or maybe needs a, a mental health day, right? But they're going to be right back in there come the weekend or, or come the Champions League against Marseille. We need all four. So. Yeah, uh, uh, Joe, you're nodding your head, so uh, we'll we'll go to you next on this uh, this uh, congestion of games. Yeah, no, I'm uh, I, I agree completely. Um, Rich Allison's perfect for the West Ham game. Um, I think whichever way we do it, we're 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 kind of spoilt for choice almost, aren't we? You know, we it's a good dial as the old cliche goes. It's a good problem to have. You know, they're good players. Whoever, whatever team we decide on whatever permutation we figure out for each game, they're all good options. And with the five subs, we've always got decent um, opportunities to change it if it isn't working. So I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty good about these games. I mean, um, I think the Champions League game at home to Marseille is potentially a good start. I mean, we talked about Marseille might be d- difficult if we could just get that first win in the home game, sets us in a good place. Um, so, you know, I'm glad that that's, that's a home game for the, for the opener. Yeah, definitely. Um, any final thoughts on these uh, three games coming up or just uh, anything else that we've talked about this episode that you want to touch touch on before we close out? Yeah, the, uh, the only thing I'd probably add to all this, Anthony, is uh, I think I might change my bold prediction for the season. And at some point this year, I think we're going to see Harry Kane play as a midfielder because we've got so much great attacking talent and he has gotten so 
damn good at that role that I wouldn't be surprised if like all four of them start at one point with Harry, you know, call, call start him wherever you want, right? He's still the striker and he's going to get forward and try to get his goals because he just has a nose for it. But man, when I think about all three of them on there with Harry just behind them pulling those strings, think about what that could do. So uh, I, I don't, I don't know how much we'll see that, but I sure as hell would like to give it a try. So yeah, um, definitely good yeah. Point. Yeah. Uh, Joe Scott, anything to add? No. Okay. Well, well, I'll add is um, this, especially with this fixture congestion. I think this is the the first big test of this season. I, I don't think we've looked at our best. I think Conte has a plan. I think the plan's being executed, um, and I think Conte knows that if um, even if we're not playing at our best, if we stick to the plan and keep going with it, um, that our talent and our ability to execute that plan is going to win the day most of the, the, the time. He knows how to grind out wins. It's not always going to be pretty, um, uh, but good teams win ugly sometimes. Um, these last couple have been a little ugly, but we've been getting the job done. I mean, the only points that we've dropped are, were the, uh, the, the, the draw at the Stanford Bridge, and that's... Uh, um, um, that, that's one that we ne- we never win at, and we often lose at. So, um, so I think uh, we can feel good about where things are going. But this is the big test <laughs> with the these, uh, um, you know, really starting this past weekend and going um, with the Forest game and going into uh, uh, these two London derbies, and then uh, st- starting our Champions League run immediately after that. Um, we're going to have to show that we can play two two matches a week at, at the top level. And we haven't hit first gear yet, as Scott said, in the first half. So so um, hopefully we hit first gear. We get some good rotation. We get to see a lot more out of some of our bench players. And uh, and we, we really see something good out of uh, Spurs over the next few weeks. And when we met next talk... Um, we are still feeling as up as we are with the with the points uh, that we have now. But that, I think that about is a good place to wrap up the conversation. Um, so uh, I'm Anthony. I can be fe- found on Twitter at Callahan42, K-A-L-I-H-A-N 42. Uh, Joe, where can you be found? I had to, li- I had to literally look this up. Um, I don't use Twitter that much. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it's at Northern Spur USA is my handle. Check me out, guys. I'm great follow. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. As you just uh, alluded to by saying you're rarely on Twitter, so yeah. So, uh, um, Rick, where can you be found? Yeah, yeah. I'm I'm kind of the same way though, but uh, but I'll be on there. I am at Earth underscore Rick underscore D one three seven. Earth Rick D one thirty seven. So, Scott, where can you be found? Scott Yeager at that's it at or uh, at Scott Yeager. That's it. At Scott Yeager. <laughs> yeah. okay, perfect. That's, that's how you Twitter. <laughs> but that about wraps it up. So thank you so much to uh, Joe, Rick, and Scott for being on today. Great episode. Great conversation. Uh, thanks to Tommy for sound tonight. Uh, Charlie for the music. Sam for social media. Kimberly, Kimberly for the logo. And as always, the Atlanta Bar and Grill, we're mostly recording there now, but it's nice to do a virtual episode every once in a while and, and hear from different people, which I'm very excited about. Find us on our many platforms right now, including iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and many more. Hit the subscribe button and write us a review on iTunes or those other platforms. Um, 
Check us out on both Twitter and Facebook at 4 Star Spurs and our website at 4starspurs.com. Come on, you Spurs.